You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you, you just, just want to ask your mom. mom. Hey, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Renee Sproles. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And today is part three of our Kids and Technology series. This is a sobering series, Bonnie. It is, but it's important. We just all need to think about it. Yeah. Um, so we've talked about Glow Kids. Get the book, read it, listen to it on Audible, something. We've talked about Stolen Focus. I was super convicted about just developing that muscle for focus after we did that, Bonnie. Mm. Um, and then today we're going to talk about video games, social media, cell phone use in general, and just what we know about it and what we need to do as parents. So from Jonathan McKee, who's an expert on youth culture and the author of several books, uh, this is from his site, becomingscreenwise.com. He has... Um, a brand new media use report that was just released from Common Sense Media. There'll be a link on our website if you want to look at the full thing. And it's usually an every four years data collection, but they did a special two-year one because they wanted to gauge in particular the effects of the pandemic. So this organization, Common Sense Media, uniquely differentiates between tweens, 8 to 12-year-olds, and teens, 13 to 18 year olds when it collects data. So if you've got kids of those ages in your house, lean in. What they found will probably resonate with you. Right. They found that total entertainment screen time has gone up more in the last two years than in the four years before that. So tweens went from about four hours and 44 minutes a day to five hours and 33 minutes a day. While teens Screen use jumped from 7 hours, 22 minutes a day to 8 hours and 39 minutes. That's pretty much three-fourths of the time that they're awake. More than 8 hours a day is a full-time job. Ah, that's so startling. That's their daylight hours. Mm -hmm. And watching online videos is a favorite activity of tweens and teens. And 77% of teens report that they watch online videos every day. And 62% are on social media. And 49% are watching TV. Yep. Kids are taking in way more YouTube and TikTok than Netflix. Um, and I'll be honest, like probably most parents, I, I know I didn't, don't have a great understanding of what kind of content comes from these platforms. Uh, yeah, I didn't either. And that's something that we should look at and something that we're going to talk about for sure today. One of the more interesting points of this Common Sense Media um, report was that 8 out of 10 Young people have reported that they want to be an influencer. The draw to be an Insta-celeb or TikTok star is huge. You can make a lot of money, for one thing. But that's an overwhelming majority of young people who are extremely motivated to do anything to get more likes and followers. Yeah. Let I that mean, sink yeah. in. Like, I am letting it sink in. I'm freaking <laughs> out. Uh, and we all know what's most likely to make the count go up. Yeah. Sex, for one right. thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Lots of skin. Lots, lots of beautifully curated photos. Mm -hmm. Risky behaviors. Mm -hmm. So if our young people are spending this much time on their screens, what content are they soaking in? What opinions are they forming? 
In your own home, do you know what your tweens are soaking in for an average of five and a half hours a day? Or for your teens, an average of eight and a half hours a day? What? Think about that. If they're in school, which they are doing it in school too. Absolutely they they're are. They're doing it bookending, morning mm-hmm. before and evenings after. Mm-hmm. I think we think we know what our kids are watching. I think I thought. I think I thought I did. <laughs> um, but I also think that we're completely naive. And yeah. we believe what we want to believe and what we wish to think. And somewhere inside of us, we want to believe our kids would never do or watch or post fill in the blank. We want to all believe that. Right. But they will. Right. It's just not true. They just don't, they don't have the discernment. They're just, it's, it's not there yet. Right. They haven't had the brain development to have discernment. They haven't had the life experience to have discernment. And let's say some of our people our age don't have the discernment. <laughs> That's like, true. listen, don't post that. <laughs> take it down. Take it down. <laughs> That's right. I mean, why do we expect well, our teens to have it? Oh, my goodness. Right. And the pull is just too strong. The peer pressure is there. The social capital is there. It's it's almost impossible to resist. Yeah. So it's true. So there is a distinct difference between girls and boys. Yeah. Which is interesting, I think. Really, really interesting. So we're going to start with the draw for boys, which is video games. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned our own experience with our two boys, video gaming, in our previous episodes. Mm -hmm. And we were kids of the 80s when the concept of video games was first going around. I mean, I remember the first video game console my dad brought home, and it was like two bars and a little ping pong. (laughs) Pong, right? Pong. So like Primitive Atari, Pac-Man, Frogger, Centipede, Galaga. Yep. When we used to go to the mall arcades and everyone was, that was the social place to go. Oh, yeah. You watch the 80s movies, you'll see them all doing that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but now we have Minecraft and Roblox and a host of multiplayer games. The industry is a beast. And with all the competitions and development opportunities, some younger kids who are pretty good at the games can actually end up getting sponsors and making money. Which is way more appealing games. than mowing a yard. Let's just say. Of course it is. Uh-huh. Yeah. For extra cash. So the argument with mom and dad is, if you'll just let me play this another five hours, I can level up and then I'll get a sponsor. And... <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, okay. So more than two-thirds of kids ages 9 to 12 play Roblox, the newest popular massive multiplayer game. Yep. So... Parents need to know that in games like these, there are always gateways to predators. There they, always are. They, they, it's made for them. It's mm-hmm. perfect because it's so anonymous, right? Right. So they have these online chat features because they're multiplayer. And within those games, it has been shown multiple times that predators, groomers, use these online chat features to lure kids into conversations by saying, I'm an 11-year-old girl just like you, and I'm playing this game, and let's be friends. And look, they're always there. Every time you log on, isn't that happy? Isn't that convenient? So they know how to open these locked doors, even if you think you have your parental controls set. Even if you think you have parental controls. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, groomers are the experts, sadly. That's what they're spending their time doing. So they start a chat. They wait very patiently. They get introduced to friends. And they might go to a different platform, like TikTok, and do more work there. Yeah, so it maybe starts on Roblox, very innocently enough, and then Mm -hmm. they take you someplace else. Yeah. So um, I stumbled across this a couple of weeks ago, and I just want everyone listening to go to this Instagram account. It's Lisa. Neilman Wilson, 
and she's at Life According to Lisa, Life According the Number Two Lisa. She is a health influencer, but she's also the mom of the New York Jets quarterback, Zach Wilson, and she has several younger kids too. She's got this Instagram post. It's a video that's about 20 minutes long uh, from February 28th, and she talks very openly and vulnerably with a lot of information about her 13-year-old daughter's experience on Roblox. Every parent needs to watch this. She's super candid. Um, I was I was blown away. And she has this awesome plea and appeal for what Renee and I have been talking about for the past two episodes of coming together as a community to help each other out with these things. Um, whether you know it or not, your kids are on Roblox. There are ways, once you get to certain levels, you can go through certain doors with sex rooms kids as young as nine, eight years old can see things they have no business seeing. I'm not going to. Wow. <laughs> it's it's too graphic to say on a podcast. Um, you can get, go through these doors and get links and different levels that go to porn sites. Um, there has been so many responses from hundreds of parents uh, after she posted this Instagram video um, who have come forward with their own similar heartbreaking stories. And from kids who are in their 20s now, whose parents, they said, oh, yeah, my parents set all the limits. They set all the parental controls, all of that stuff. They thought they had it on lockdown. But we got it around it all. We got around it all. Or we could just go to our friend's house across the street where there that wasn't the case. Wow. So I'm just saying, like, one out of seven kids are being groomed right this second. None of us wants that to be our kid. And, and I know we all we want all our kids. Think, we think it's somebody else's kid. We, we do. do. It's not, can't possibly be mine. That can never happen. I want my kids to like me. And it's always such a battle when we try to pull back and set limits. My kid is always so mad at me. Um, so what? <laughs> I'm just going to say, so what? Your job is not for your kid to like you. Your job is to be the mean parent and to set the limits as far as you can. Because um, it's... It's not the place. The video game world, the internet world, social media world is not the place to let them learn to make choices on their own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And not um, just this extreme danger, which is so shocking, but to me, just doing all this reading with you and talking to you, it doesn't seem like the video games with the sex predators notwithstanding mm -hmm. but just the video games themselves are not doing as much harm to boys as social media is doing to girls there's an article um, from the Atlantic Monthly that was just published like last November November 2021 and the author was noting that like when a boy steps away from a video console he doesn't spend the next few hours worrying about what other players are saying about him Instagram in contrast can loom in a girl's mind even when the app is not open driving hours of obsessive thought, worry, and shame. So we, we want to recognize um, the risks and the benefits, which if there are any benefits to social media, I'm not sure that there are. But, um, but the, that it's hard for boys to stop playing, but when they stop, they stop. Right. When you make them stop, they stop, and they can go on to something else. Mm -hmm. When you take your daughter off of social media, that's not the case. It just looms. It and, looms. Right. It looms. Which yeah. is, let's just segue into that. Let's talk about social media and girls. So social media platforms were not initially designed for children. 
They were designed for us, for adults. But children, nevertheless, have become the subject of a giant national experiment. And the author of the article in the Atlantic Monthly says, without a proper controlled group, we can't be certain that the experiment has been a catastrophic failure, but it probably has been. (laughs) Great. (laughs) That's what I want for my kids, to be part of a catastrophic failure. Yeah. So his call uh, is for regulators, legislators, parents, is to take steps to mitigate the harm. And that's what we want to talk about today. Yeah. It's... I mean, it's no secret, right? We all know that adolescent girls' rates of depression, anxiety, even self-injury have just gone up and up and up in 2010, which is when this article was focused on, 2010 to 14. Mm -hmm. Such a short period of time. It really is. So what else can it be? Right. In that time frame. Right. Sort of what that's demonstrating. As those social media platforms proliferated and expanded, um, (laughs) all of the mental health issues Mm -hmm. like rose to the surface Mm -hmm. so traditionally this is not a question this is known adolescent girls are more self-conscious about their changing bodies and their insecurities than boys are yeah boys also have insecurities and they're more concerned about where they fit in their social network Mm -hmm. and so social media particularly instagram is harmful because it's displacing other forms of interaction among teens and putting the size of their friend group on public display, and it subjects their physical appearance to the hard metrics of likes and comment counts. And it takes the worst parts of middle school <laughs> and glossy women's magazines and intensifies them. Yeah. Oh. Talk about toxic. I mean, I remember just reading Teen Vogue and feeling bad about myself. Right. I'll never have skin like that. I'll never have hair like that. Yes. I'll never have clothes like that. Uh-huh. So why, why, why do you want to take the worst parts of middle school, which is already the worst part of life, (laughs) be honest, and intensify that? But uh, truly, like, it's in the nature of Instagram to tell girls, okay, use this platform, post pictures of yourselves, curate them, filter them, make sure they're perfect, and then just sit back and await my judgment. Right. So from 2010 to 2014, the rates of hospital admission for self-harm did not increase at all for women in their early 20s. It did not increase for boys. It did not increase for young men. But it doubled for girls ages 10 to 14. Yeah. So that's that tween beginning teenage years. It doubled. Uh, Oh, it just so happened that Instagram came on the scene. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What a coincidence. Oh, goodness. Surveys of American high school students show that only about 63% reported using a social networking site on a daily basis back in 2010. But as smartphones became the thing and access became easier and visits became more frequent, by 2014, that was up to a whopping 80%. Yeah, and one in four said they were online almost constantly. Well, we already know from this recent Common Sense Media, it's a full-time job. It's a full-time job. So, of course, teens have been texting each other. You could even do that on a flip phone. Right. But there was a massive shift of high school students moving their lives onto social media platforms. Girls became heavy users of visually oriented platforms. In 2013, it had more than 100 million users, followed by Snapchat, Pinterest, and Tumblr. So, but I mean, we're going to beat up on Instagram just a little bit more because this article 
it just singles them out. Yeah. I mean, it just has that effect on girls who mm-hmm. are looking around and comparing anyway. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it just intensifies that whole part of an adolescent girl's life. Yeah. So there's a, there is a correlation between Instagram and poor mental health, a strong relationship. Um, girls who use social media heavily are about two to three times more likely to say they are depressed than girls who use it lightly or not at all. Yeah. Most experiments that randomly assign people to reduce or give up social media for a week or more show a mental health benefit, indicating that social media is a cause, not just a correlate. Wow. (sighs) Right. (laughs) So Facebook would have you believe that, okay, it's it's your fault. Right. Like, just censor yourself. Just have some self-control and some discipline, and then spend less time on it, and no big deal. We're all fine, right? Like sugar or salt or all the other dangerous things. Alcohol. Just use it in moderation. Right. We can all do that, right? Have some self-control. Mm-hmm. But that's, that is sort of implying that it's due to your self-control. But social media platforms are not like sugar. They don't just affect the individuals who overindulge. Yeah. I mean, teens who went from texting their close friends on flip phones in 2010 to posting carefully curated photographs in 2014 saw a huge change in their lives right which is interesting the way we interacted the way teen girls interacted with one another changed their social construct changed from friendships where you could have a conversation you could make a joke you could you know be silly with one another it changed to a place where you had to perform for one another which is really risky. Yeah, I mean, if even <laughs> even when we record these podcasts, Bonnie, if, you know, if I make a slip up or mess up, I cut it out. <laughs> Newsflash, <laughs> listeners. I edit yeah. that out of the conversation. Or if I say something wrong or out of line, I can just look you in the eye and go, oh, I'm sorry. Like, ah, uh, that slipped right through the filter. Right. Shouldn't have said that. And we go on with our friendship. But when you're posting stuff online and it's a public forum... The stakes are way higher. Yeah. You now there's this vast who knows how many people mm-hmm. judging you for your your comments, judging you for your pictures, judging you for where you've been or what you're doing, what you're wearing, right. how, what your body looks like. Yeah. And it's not just the people who are, you know, actively disliking or liking it but it's the people you're keeping count to of the people who don't respond absolutely you are you absolutely (laughs) did they not see it or do they just think it's not worthy of responding to and you're constantly asking yourself those mental questions even after you've gotten off the platform I mean we know this moms like getting feedback in a low stakes environment is one of the main ways that play builds our children's social skills, their physical skills, their ability to properly judge risk. You know, as a homeschool mom, I was very intentional about being sure we had play groups because I didn't want my kids only playing with each other Mm -hmm. and not knowing how to judge like, hey, your friend's saying they're giving you nonverbal cues that, hey, I don't like that. That's not okay. Mm -hmm. Or how do you resolve conflict? Mm -hmm. I wanted them, you know, in person, bumping up against other people to learn those things. And on the positive side, it strengthens friendships, spending time together, those kinds of interactions. We Uh make each other better people. And then we move onto this virtual platform and we lose all of the low stakes elements of relationships because it becomes all public. And not just public, 
for people at school or in your, you know, immediate family or whatever, but potentially nationally or worldwide public. Absolutely. If you post the wrong enough thing, it can be viral and you can be humiliated in a hundred different languages. Oh, yeah. That's terrible. And so, I mean, Bonnie and I were talking about this. We kind of feel like girls are in a lose-lose situation here because, you know, I said, well, maybe I just wouldn't even do social media, you know, if I was raising a child today. And the, the option is now you're cut off from the from the main way that girls your age are going to be connecting. I've now cut you off. And it's a vital way for them. They need that from, social from the connection. Social connection. Too. Right. Yeah. So you're between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. I mean, I asked Emma when I was preparing for this episode, when did I let you have social media? I, I can't remember now. Mm-hmm. And she said she thinks she was about 15 when she got Instagram, which... Yeah, is I'm a thinking, lot older than some people now, but I still feel like that seems young. I'm thinking 14, 15, somewhere in there too, just because it's when it was happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, even that, yeah. I mean, Facebook was uncool by that time, so I could let her have a Facebook. She didn't care. Right. Who cares? They weren't posting on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel for you, moms. It's just a, it's a hard decision that you've got to that you've got to make with your kids. What do I, how do I use this? Right. And how, how do I, I let them use it? How do I allow them to use it? Yeah. And it's a constant countermeasures of conversation um, with what is real, what is not real, who you are, who you are not, um, what messages you're sending, what you're, you know, why you're interested in the likes. You got to have all those conversations over and over and over again. And I know our teenagers get tired of hearing it, but if they don't have those conversations at all, I mean, they've lost. There's no chance. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep talking. You have to keep doing countermeasures. It's not a one and done. This is going to be a constant right. source of back and forth with you and your, your teenagers. Um, like Again, like we, we told you, Bonnie and I struggled. We didn't like the video games our sons were playing. And we, you know, talked to their dads and we, you know, had some disagreement about that. I didn't know all this information about the connections. I mean, I kind of had it in my gut. You know, I told you, I let him do it because I was connecting with Ben. He was connecting with his friends. And I felt like that was a positive thing for him to do. (laughs) And I put a time limit on it. And then the studies are telling me, okay, he's not walking away feeling super self-conscious about himself when he's done playing with his guy friends. Right. But I, I had no idea the stakes with social media Mm -hmm. and my daughter. Me neither. And and aside from going and being in a, you know, Amish community someplace, there's it's really, really, really hard to get away from. It yeah, just is. It, it really, really is. So I guess I want to just throw this question out to you, parents. What are you modeling with your own habits? So in the first two parts of this series, we talked about some actions we can take ourselves for our own mental health, weaning ourselves from our screens, how we can regain some of our lost focus by going outside without a phone, without <laughs> reading, without a phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by turning off your notifications and just getting them at specific times of day. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of rewiring your brain so that you're not requiring that dopamine hit constantly. Right. Because we know our technology is addictive because it was made so to be addictive. Um, 
Once upon a time, R.J. Reynolds recognized that to get a larger market share for their cigarettes, it needed ad copy that appealed to younger demographics. Hence the birth of Joe Camel, which they would contend that's not why we created Joe Camel, but... Anyway, so I, I watch shows like Call the Midwife or anything set in the 40s, 50s, and am shocked at the amount of smoking on set. I'm thinking those poor actors, <laughs> they're going to all have cancer by the time they get done with this series. I know, I know. It's everyone everywhere. Yeah, even the pregnant moms in the hospitals are smoking and the doctors right by their bedside. <laughs> and we, oh, how ignorant people used to be. Oh, yeah. How foolish. Like, d- just common sense. Sucking something into your lungs. That can't be, that's not normal. Right. It's obvious. Poisoning. So, you know, we say we would never be as hard-headed as a Pharisee. We would never have been as ungrateful as the Israelites were to God, who delivered them from Egypt, for crying out loud. We would never be as impulsive as Peter or a betrayer like Judas. We think we're above or beyond the ordinary folks portrayed as the messer uppers. But we're them. (laughs) We are they. (laughs) They're us. (laughs) Yes. So do you see, I mean, screens, do you see a similarity with screens here, parents? Screens are the Joe Camel, the cigarettes of the 50s. Yes. And we're just not seeing it yet. This, I mean, this Atlantic article says, okay, yes, we do not have longitudinal studies that quantify what's happening here. But we do see trends of severe mental health crises. Yeah, especially in our girls. Just like when we began to see tons of cancers show up. Mm Mm-hmm. And we began to go, oh, maybe there's a connection. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping if history is any indication that we as a society will kind of wake up and go, oh, wait, 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 hold up here. Maybe we need to pull back on this a little bit, or maybe we need to regulate our screens from the top down. Yes. So addiction, loss of focus, mental health issues, especially in our daughters, tech neck, Right. Which Let is a southerner say that 10 times fast. <laughs> technic, technic. <laughs> which, if you're not familiar, is actually from looking down at your from phone all the time down. is when your shoulders and your neck tense up and have such a terrible oh. painfulness. Um, all the TikTok disruptions. And just recently, you and I had a conversation with a teacher friend of ours who is teaching. She teaches ninth grade English mm-hmm. in our community. And I was just like, well, hey, how's the school year going? It's almost done. You must be feeling pretty good. And she's like, no, it's literally terrible it's literally the worst year ever and some of that is due to the pandemic and uh the lack of maturing that kids have been able to do in the past couple years where the ninth graders are actually more like seventh graders but she said a large part of it has been the um tiktok stuff going around of it was the thing for a while to damage public bathrooms Mm -hmm. rip apart the bathrooms in the school so she said for three months They've had all their bathrooms in the school closed. How, how do you get yeah. through a whole day of school with no bathrooms? Yeah, she said if she had to go to the bathroom, it was like mi- minutes and minutes of a walk away. Yeah, as and a teacher. Like she, can, she can't leave her students in the classroom. <laughs> when is she going to? She can't do it at the class break. There's not enough time. Right. That is insanity. Distance. Insanity. So it's being dealt with as a society on every level. It's just crazy. So I thought this is interesting. This is from a a book, which we might get to later on somewhere down the road when we talk about addictions. Uh, It's The Addiction Inoculation by Jessica Leahy. And there was a Temple University psychologist who studied the impact of peer groups on risky decision making in adolescence. This is probably no surprise to us. We know they take risks. They took three groups, half male, 
half female from three different age groups, 13 to 16, 18 to 22, and 24 and up. And they all play this computer game called Chicken, where players have to get to choose whether or not to stop a car, you know, going through a light. So do I go through and do I risk the yellow light? Do I go through? The object is to get as far as possible without running into a wall that appears when the light turns red. So they play the game alone and with the same age peers and with peers waiting outside the door. Players took significantly more risk when others were watching them play. Their peers weren't even cheering or egging them on. They were just sitting there watching quietly. And the adults took the same amount of risk whether they were alone or with the peers. Which we know this. Even like the most basic explanation of brain development in teenagers, their prefrontal cortex is not finished developing, which is where you measure risk. Yeah. <laughs> and Scary. so that's why an adult could do it with peers watching. But the mm-hmm. peer pressure of a teenager, they, they actually physically don't have the equipment. They're going to take more. To, to do yeah. it. It's worth running into the wall at the red light for them if someone's watching them and they're going to get likes for it. Yeah. The interesting part is that the finding holds true even if the researcher lies and tells them there's no one watching. As long as they believe they're being watched, they'll engage in riskier behaviors. So this explains a lot about the stunts that they do for YouTube and TikTok. The very idea that another kid might watch them somewhere is enough to egg them into lighting their farts on fire, eating Tide Pods, or destroying a school bathroom. Yeah. And we know our teacher friends know what we're talking about. Yep. Um, There's a wrenching article by an assistant principal that you read recently that you shared with me pleading for parents to step up. I can't begin to describe how much time I spend every day dealing with issues that stem from unsupervised cell phone usage by our students. In the situations where I have to search a student's cell phone, I often get sick to my stomach at what I find. Highly inappropriate photos, videos, messages, social media usage. The things our students are willing to try and be a part of at such a young age gets worse and worse every year. When I call parents to inform them of what is going on, I always ask them how often they look through their kids' phones. The shock gets even worse when 90% of them say they hardly ever or never look at their phones. And then they get upset at me, accusing me of lying to them about their kids' roles in certain situations or expect me to somehow fix the situation. Hmm. Parents, it's your number one job as a parent to get in your kids' way at all times. Kids do not deserve privacy without accountability. You own their devices, not them. Right. I just thought... 90% of parents are never or hardly ever looking at your child's phone or computer usage. You're, you are blind. It's hard. I get it. I've talked to moms recently where they're like, my kid is always two steps ahead of me on learning how to hide stuff. And I learn how to look for things and then they learn how to hide it. Well, don't give up. Yeah. Don't give up. I'm just saying, like, keep trying. Yes. And we'll talk about some resources at the end. Yeah, we need to know. Like, how do we then, given what you just said, how do we get in our kids' way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, have some family dinners. Yeah. And shocking idea. Put your phones away while you have dinner. No phones at dinner. Current research suggests that parents spend an average of eight minutes a day in conversation with their kids. Can eight minutes compete with eight and a half hours of input from YouTube and TikTok? That's a hard no. (laughs) There's no way. There's no way. Right. So if you're not uh, intentionally creating lots and lots of time to have conversations, and it doesn't have to be about technology, just conversation. 
mm-hmm. just rem- reminding them who you are in this family and what your identity is together and how we have fun together and all that good stuff that comes with being in a family. Uh, you you have to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And check their devices randomly and often. Listen, as a parent, I hated doing this. My stomach, I would get like this pit in my stomach because mm-hmm. I didn't like contrary to what our children think we don't want to catch them doing something wrong That's we exactly actually want right. to catch them doing something right you're exactly right <laughs> so you got to go beyond their browser history which they can erase you got to look at the colorful icons on their home screens go deep of course they're not going to put everything yeah front and center where you can see it yeah like what are the most downloaded apps in the app store it's, you got to know that just like nationally worldwide you have to know out there what are kids using these days? You have to keep yourself up to date on that sort of thing. Um, they're hiding apps behind apps. Oh, so that's, got, that's what she means by go deep. It is. <laughs> it's it's like you don't have enough to do in a day. But you know what? Parenting's hard. <laughs> it, it is. hard. That's right. <laughs> Create oh. opportunities for your tweens and teens to have experiences. If you are convicted by this series that we've done and you want to pull back or delay screen time in your family, you got to fill that time with something else. What can you do as a family to say yes to something else? What's your bigger yes? Yeah. I mean, and they're not going to like it at first. So like, don't give up if it's awkward at first and you don't really have anything to say to each other or they have a really bad attitude. <laughs> they will. Like take the long view mm-hmm. on this and... um and persevere because uh, it's so worth it. It's just so worth it. Yeah. You're, you're actually protecting your children's mental and physical health. Yeah. You, you know, you, you wouldn't, you know, just throw your car keys at your 12 year old and say like, Oh, go, I'm going to give you some autonomy. Go try to drive the car. Right. No, I'm, no. I'm not checking up on you. I trust you. Yeah. No. You're not doing that. So don't do this in this, even bigger arena if you can introduce technology slowly like as if you were starting solids with your baby remember that we were concerned about reactions like allergies yeah you introduce a food wait a few days see if anything happens changes in behavior changes in digestion maybe don't feed it again if those things happen Mm -hmm. same thing goes with technology you don't just hand them a smartphone with the internet and every app in the world on it you got to do things little steps see how that goes Mm. and and honestly delaying is so much easier than pulling back yeah right go ahead and pull back if you need to pull back pull back but if you're not there yet then don't start it that's right to way later than you think way later than they think because they're gonna tell you i'm the only one in the entire Uh eighth grade that doesn't have any (laughs) that's okay that's okay yeah um once something is introduced have lots and lots of those conversations more than that eight minutes a day average yeah i even thought about if i were doing it again i probably would sit with my kids and scroll through you know instagram with them be like okay what do you think about that what is that person wanting Mm -hmm. from that what are they getting what's that doing for them right what are they saying i mean the question you go back to again and again is before something's working, you need to know what it's for. Well, we know what the executives of social media think it's for. It's to manipulate us. It's to get us to spend money. Mm-hmm. It's to get us addicted. What can it be for, though? It can be for social connection. It can. It's a beautiful way to, for us to stay in touch with the people in other states mm-hmm. that we don't get to see anymore. 
think talk about that with your kid what is it for yeah and, and what's it doing for you and there it's kind of ironic but at the end of this uh on our website at the end of this we're gonna have all kinds of social media links um for great content mm-hmm. which can help parents mm-hmm. learn how to set controls better learn what op- options are out there for them take advantage of that so there is some great stuff out there so true i know a lot of my young mom friends who use instagram to great benefit by following accounts of other young moms who um give them great ideas for mm-hmm. like playtime with their child or um, fun family night ideas right. or things like that they're, they're, it can be used for so much good it can and we can ra- use a rating scale when you get off of that account how does that make you feel mm-hmm. better by yourself or not well any any question that leaves you with a not don't follow them anymore right oh such a good question really really good so don't take your phones or your screens or your devices in bedrooms or behind closed doors does this mean that they can't engage in stuff right there at the kitchen counter while you're making dinner nope they can and they probably will right but it doesn't let it be a free-for-all yeah i mean you, at least you're trying right like i i knew this as my kids got older if they were gonna do like the really big mistakes they were gonna figure it out mm-hmm. they could go i mean, I could set up a, a certain amount of rules and they could still get around them but i was not gonna make it easy on them <laughs> they were gonna actually have to try mm-hmm. and put forth some eff- effort and that right. was my responsibility was to to make them aware like hey those are that's out of bounds and you're gonna have to consciously decide and and really go above and beyond to break the rules and every you know everybody breaks rules we all they do will. i did i broke my parents rules but um you're not doing them any favors by making it easy yeah so just go ahead and put those boundaries up like you said don't don't take your screens don't let your kids take their screens in their bedrooms right and then also don't freak out like it's the end of the world when not if when you find something terrible on their phones or when they break the rules that you've already prescribed don't freak out it's just another opportunity to learn and talk about how things are going to be different and you know what, how they messed up that's right what modifications like you obviously can't be trusted with this so we're going to pull back mm-hmm. until we can you know establish trust again right so you know even with all of these great ideas they are great ideas Kids are going to sneak. They're going to get burner phones or switch to SD cards. They can find an old phone with no service, but still gets the internet. Their friends are going to help them. Yep. Even when you're trying to do all the right things, don't stop trying. Yeah. Don't give up because you got to remember what you're fighting for and who you're fighting for. And that's your son or your daughter that's entrusted to you. So you've only got this one chance. Steward it well. Steward it well. Steward it well. Amen. And I I truly will point you to our um, website this time because there's really some great accounts and some products too um, for controls, parental controls, and things like the Gab wireless phone or the Troom One phone. These are kind of safe phones with more options and parental control portals. Um, Goodness. So things that we didn't even know were a thing back then. They probably weren't, but... But you probably need to know that they're out there. It's, there's some good help. So that's at justaskyourmom.com. Thanks for listening. This is Anna from Mount Juliet. I don't have kids currently, but hope to soon. And I'm starting with the end in mind, as they recommend. 
I'm also the listener who suggested the potty training topic, so you're welcome for that helpful and also highly amusing episode. The resources mentioned on this podcast will be on the website, justaskyourmom.com. You can follow the podcast on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom or Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. Leave a review. Rate us. Better yet, subscribe so you'll get a new episode each Monday. Send us your topic suggestions. You can email justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on Just Ask Your Mom. Mm-hmm.